0: Welcome back to Mince Levin's From the Edge. This is Jeremy Glazer, the co-chair of the Mince Levin Venture Capital and Emerging Company Practice. Mince Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at minceedge.com. Well, we are really fortunate today to have uh, with us Cliff Borough. Cliff is a very experienced venture-backed CEO, founder, investor, and entrepreneurial catalyst and he has helped over a dozen companies from founding to exit. He's currently a general partner of Simplexity Holdings, which is a group of companies that are dedicated to unlocking the full potential of startups using a proprietary, collaborative, science-based model. Prior to Simplexity, Cliff was the managing partner and co-founder of the team group, co-founder and CEO of Zooey.com, which was sold to Saban Capital, co-founder of CVT Ventures, Chairman and CEO of Infogate, which was sold to AOL Time Warner. Cliff also currently serves as the chairman of OneAppWorks Works and as a board member at Agentology and Paperless Proposal. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss Cliff's extensive experience in starting and funding a number of companies and the lessons learned along the way. Well, Cliff, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Of course. We're delighted. Well, Cliff, tell us, why did you choose this hard life of starting and building technology companies, of all the things you could have done with your life?
1: I ask myself that every morning. Um, I don't think uh, being an entrepreneur is something you necessarily choose. I think it chooses you. But I think it goes back to my father, uh, who passed away 16 years ago, but was my best friend, who taught me early on as a child that there's two you know, really great ways to make money and to do interesting things. One was to work on Wall Street managing money, and the other was to invent things and start companies, and I was the kind of kid to listen to my dad, and uh, my career trajectory has come from that map.
0: Wonderful. Well, you've certainly been involved with a lot of companies. How how many companies have you raised capital for? Uh,
1: I've been formally involved either running a CEO or chairman or board member for somewhere between 12 and 15 companies that have either received real angel or venture capital.
0: Okay, that's, that's a lot of experience. That's a lot of companies. They, you're, not, you're not that old, Cliff.
1: They, I'm older than I look, but they say experience is what you get when you do not get what you want. Yes.
0: So by that, I have experience. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite quotes as well. So you've raised money with a lot of companies. If you were talking to the younger version of Cliff today, what would you want to tell that younger version as they're as he's going through that funding process? What are the things that you should be thinking about? What are the things you look back on that you wish you had known then that you know now?
1: I wish uh, I knew that all money is not created equal, that it really matters. In our desperation as entrepreneurs, we need capital to do great things. And it's easy or it's always hard to get capital. Um but it's easy to overlook that this is a, like a marriage. When you take money from an investor, whether it be an angel or a significant angel or a venture capitalist, you are married for a long time, hopefully a long time, and it really matters. You want to find investors who get you, respect you, and that you get in respect. All money is not created equal.
0: So. If you don't mind me asking, what what happened in the past that when you look back, you wish you had knew that at the time when you were taking investment? And you don't have to you don't have to name names.
1: Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to have really worked with some amazing investors. And I've gotten a lot better as I got older in finding investors who I loved. And uh, so I've been very lucky. Early on in my career, I, I probably had, you know, investors that were so financially driven and, uh, you know, didn't weren't really all in like the, 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 the alignment when, when you're hiring employees as a, as a CEO, I always tell entrepreneurs to look for patriots, not mercenaries, meaning, you know, hire for people who really get the fundamental vision of the company. I think the same is true with investors, because every startup that I've been involved with has really rough patches. And it shakes people out. You really learn more about yourself and investors around the table. And you're on a lifeboat at sea with these folks. And uh, and I just, I've gotten much more discerning and have been much more patient
0: to find investors that I really want to work with. So how do you find those investors? Sitting here today, thinking about the person sitting out there who's thinking, Okay, I hear you, Cliff. I want to find that patient investor. I wanna find that person that's willing to work with me when the inevitable you know what hits the fan and we have to pivot the business. How do you go about that? How do you find that person? It's a
1: a strange paradox of the valley especially that you can really only meet venture capitalists by being connected by people that, that they already know. So it doesn't really make sense in kind of a meritocracy kind of flat global world where there's talent in so many places but for venture capitalists who have capital, they're constantly pinged and they're constantly asked for money. And they've developed a system that's almost universal in all venture firms, which is if you can't figure out and triangulate to get to them through someone that they know and trust, preferably someone who they've who's made money for them, then or or a great law firm like Mintz, like people that they trust and know, you're not gonna get there. And it's not fair, but the reality is. You have to do your homework. You've got to meet people that know VCs. But I think one of the great pieces of wisdom that I've been taught, which is when you meet people, don't focus, it's kind of like JFK, like don't ask what they can do for you, ask what you can do for them. Especially when you're meeting people who are farther along in their careers or more advanced than you. People who have a lot or asked for a lot. And if you can pinpoint things that you can actually do for them, I mean, ultimately, one of the nice things about the venture business is it's still very relationship based. And fundamentally, I think relationships are built by digging wells before you're thirsty. So don't wait until you absolutely need capital. Start early, attend events, and online today, you can contribute regardless of where you are. You can get credibility, you can get noticed if you contribute to responding to a venture capitalist blog in an intelligent fashion, or a podcast like this and sharing it. There's so many ways to build currency and connections online, you don't have to schlep to Sand Hill Road to do it.
0: That's great. And that really leads to kind of my next question, which is fundraising is a process. And you kind of outlined a little bit about how do you actually make the connection? What is it that an entrepreneur needs to be focused on before they're ready to raise whether it's angel money or venture money? What do they have to do with, with from the business perspective before they start making those, you know, outreach uh, contacts? So the
1: environment's changed so dramatically in fundraising because even angels today want to see metrics and data. So, you know, it's changed so much from my early dot com days when all you needed was a PowerPoint and a prototype and a good story. Investors really want to see data earlier and earlier. And that's just a reality. Unless you're a repeating entrepreneur like Elon Musk, who could do anything and raise money for anything based upon track record, if you're just starting out, I think you also have to temper your expectations. You know, the the venture world is not going to hand you $10 million for an idea anymore. You know, the lean startup methodology, the the iterative process of raising just enough you know, bootstrapping, there's a lot of pressure for you to actually build something and to to achieve traction before you even raise outside money that uh, heretofore wasn't, you know, present in this market. But it's a reality. Um, I think if you have a hockey stick and if you have growth and if you have something that's going up to the right and it isn't just expenses, I think you can raise money You know, by sending your Google Analytics account to a VC and say, look at this, like, if you have traction, you don't even need a deck and story or business plan anymore. If you have traction, you call the shots and you can raise money. Uh, A famous VC friend of mine says that there's nothing, you know, like numbers to uh, I'll be polite in this podcast, keep it G rated, but there's nothing like numbers to screw up a, a really good story. So if you don't have numbers, you have to get your story down. You have to figure out a way to authentically and powerfully communicate why you're doing something and what you're looking to, to really change and not just be a, uh, a small improvement on something, but to radically change up a market. And you've got to get your deck right, your financial model right. You've got to understand your, your key assumptions and be able to defend them, or at least have a conversation around them.
0: So, what about infrastructure? I mean, your your current business is, is somewhat built around providing infrastructure on a outsourced, you know, less expensive basis for early stage companies. Do they have to have that infrastructure in place before they go out for the angel financing or the venture financing? Is that important?
1: I think that there are things that are more important, but I think that not having your accounting and your legal affairs in order can create a situation where you actually make inroads with investors and then things blow up because they look under the hood and they run away. So I think, you know, making sure you have a great attorney, making sure that your company can legally accept money, that you're, you know, duly authorized to do business. Having the right accounting and keeping a data room and doing options and stock grants and all of those things are important, so that you know you get the check and you, you you withstand due diligence. But there are more important things than that, which is you know fundamentally setting out to do something really interesting and to show investors that you have the the grit, the integrity, the tenacity, the knowledge you know, to move mountains to do it, that's still more important than anything else.
0: Cliff, you, you've raised money from angels as well as from venture capitalists. What is it? What does it take to raise money from angels? And then we'll, then we'll talk about venture capital in a second. What, how does one raise money from angels?
1: So there are angels that act more, super angels that act more like mini, you know, small seed funds. And I think that they're kind of in a category to themselves. And generally, angels and I've, I've been you know, dear friends with David Rose, who's a famous angel in New York. I've learned a lot from David through the years. Angels in general want to make money or they'd like not to lose money, but typically they're investing for the adventure, for the mentorship, for the camaraderie as a way of taking their knowledge and imparting it to the next generation. So my advice to entrepreneurs is find angels that can add value beyond capital. And I've been blessed to find those people in almost every business that I've helped or either started or have helped other entrepreneurs. Find legitimate people of means that possess knowledge in your field that can help guide you. No one has had better mentors than I in my life. I should have achieved far more than I have because I've had world-class mentors. But look for mentors, not just angel investors. There is an adage that has some truth to it, which is if you want to, ask, you know, if you want money, ask for advice, and if you want advice, ask for money. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I, I try to approach, you know, raising money authentically. I think it's a lot kind of like nonprofit fundraising, which people can't imagine, you know, asking people for money all day. But the people who do that well realize that they're also giving the philanthropist or the donor. An opportunity that they're looking for they're connecting that donor to something that resonates to their interest to their soul Uh, it's the same thing with raising angel money for your startup
0: In, in your experience Cliff is there any you know people organizations that can be helpful in raising angel money have any been helpful to you in the past or is this something you just have to do yourself
1: I think raising money is always the CEO's job. I think that you can find mentors, you can find conduits, your attorney. You know, I'm sure you folks and I know you folks are so helpful to the entrepreneurs that you know fit your your VC relationships. But ultimately, you can delegate a lot as a founder. Um, we obviously help founders delegate accounting and finance and administration, but you can't delegate fundraising. You can't find an advisor and put them on your chart and think that they're going to raise money for you. You have to raise money because ultimately you as the founder are what an angel is investing in. Most businesses that work end up working so far removed from the original plan. You know, a very famous uh, investor and a world-class human being is Josh Koppelman, who's a friend of mine. And Josh always says that he invests in heat-sinking missiles. You know, and as an entrepreneur you have to show not that you know. I mean, it's actually more important that you don't stand on on too solid footing, almost on any assumption, but that you're going to have the fluidity to be like a strong tree, that you're going to have deep roots and conviction in what you're doing, but you're going to bend and weave with the wind in order to figure out the business. And, And it's up to you to show an investor who you are and why you're driven to for the impossible adventure that you're pursuing
0: great 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 advice is is there anything that you would advise differently so you've already raised angel money right i'm an entrepreneur i've raised angel money now i'm looking to go out for my first venture round right my series a or series b what, what how, how would your advice be different about that process and about getting ready and how to identify and going after the vcs
1: well, the world has also shifted. You know, a Series A is is what you and I think of, Jeremy, as a Series B. You mm-hmm. know, the, the the cheese has been moved, folks. You know, there are now seed rounds. Seed rounds, essentially, are what we all thought of as Series A's. So, and even angel rounds now have, as I said earlier, products are shipped and and sometimes there's considerable traction. So, I think when you're going to VCs, you have to... It's all about mindset. You're going to get rejected. And I don't want to trivialize raising capital to the concentration camps. But Viktor Frankl, uh, who is an incredible philosopher, who was a survivor of the camps, said that you know, there were men comforting others even in the concentration camps and that ultimately people choose one's own way. And again, I'm not making a comparison directly to raising capital. It's tough, but not that tough. But you have to know and you have to have the mindset that you're going to get rejected. So you can be bitter. You can be angry. Uh, It's easy. Like we're human. This is your baby. You're sacrificing so much to create this company. And you have intelligent people with fancy shoes telling you that your idea isn't worth funding or you can accept it. Again, I, I, I hate to. Well, I'm proud to borrow on the shoulders of giants. But Josh Koppelman always says that raising capital from VCs is the, is free, it's the most free, best consulting you're ever going to get. Because on the path to rejection, you get golden nuggets of not just what it's going to take to get someone to say yes, but fundamentally how you should think about altering your business. Because VCs are really in the pattern recognition business, both in looking for opportunities, but also applying their hard-won battle scars to to guiding you on your business. So you're going to sit down with an accomplished person who looks at probably four or five companies a day, and you can either be bitter, or you can really listen and tune your pitch. You know, when you go out to VCs, we always pick some VCs that are either so unlikely to write us a check, but we're going to get really great knowledge before we go to the VCs where we think we're actually going to really have a fit. Because just like a Broadway show, you kind of want to, you know, take it to the La Jolla Playhouse or uh, or to Cleveland before you hit Broadway.
0: Cliff, I, I just love that advice. I can't tell you how often I try to help entrepreneurs understand that the process of raising venture capital money is a process of iteration. And that getting that feedback, getting the rejections, going to VCs that will give you feedback is, is in some ways more important than getting the person to say, okay, I'm in, I'll write the check.
1: Yes. I mean, I... Uh, I often I I talk quite a bit I mean I've either raised or helped raise a couple hundred million bucks and that's not the key metric of life because the key metric is what comes back to investors and how do your products you know change or dent the universe as jobs would say but you know ultimately when you are raising money it has almost nothing almost nothing to do with building a business you know hiring people building products getting customers except and I've really thought hard about this it's except Raising money, you know, they say that politicians, that they campaign in poetry, but they govern in prose. So we raise money telling these stories that seemingly have nothing to do with running a business, except it's one of the first of many impossible things that you have to accomplish and figure out as a founder. And there's going to be 500 other impossible things, or even more than that, that you're going to have to do as a founder. And raising money is kind of like, it's kind of like Pledge Week. It's like it's a ritual, but it just shows that you're going to overcome things because as an entrepreneur, that's what you have to do. And we have to overcome stuff.
0: There, there are so many wonderful nuggets and uh, just so appreciate you sharing this. As we're wrapping up, uh, Cliff, I know you, you've invested a lot of time and energy into Simplexity and sort of its different businesses. And obviously, based on this conversation, I'm sure all the listeners out there can hear the incredible value you can provide entrepreneurs as they're starting and growing businesses. Explain what Simplexity does in all its different parts, and also tell people how they could engage with you.
1: Thank you. So uh, I am just one of four partners in Simplexity, and there are two halves of our business. business, Both of our businesses are, as you said at the introduction, are, are dedicated to helping founders. We're entrepreneurs helping other entrepreneurs, and we do it through two businesses. One business, we have a small venture fund. It's a studio model where we make very active investments. We more act like fractional co-founders in companies than even angels or seed investors. We get deeply, deeply involved in idea stage companies or companies that have product market fit and traction, but need help to kind of now take the ladder against a taller wall and go for venture scale. The other side of our business is a service organization where we've built what we hope to be the best team in the world that does all of the accounting, the finance, and the administration, taking all of that stuff off of the plate of founders so that they're always ready for the next raise, for the next debt, for the next M&A event, and that they can focus on kind of higher Maslow hierarchy of needs while we focus on making everything run in finance, the investor reporting, operating plans, budgeting, you know, all the foreign NA stuff, all the stuff that just, if you don't tend to it, it's going to bite you in the you-know-what, and we make sure that you're never bitten.
0: And how, how does somebody get in touch with you, Cliff?
1: Uh, um, we're always happy to, tr- to help, and uh, obviously, we don't always write checks, just like every other investor, but we love helping entrepreneurs. I can be reached at cliff at uh, CLIFF at simplexity.co. Uh, thank,
0: thank you, Cliff. Thank you so much for taking the time. Again, really valuable information for people growing and building businesses. Uh, this is Jeremy Glazer of Mint 11, and thank you for listening to this edition of From the Edge. Till next time.